0: Everybody shout "Amen" this morning and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. As you're being seated, shake the hand of the person around you, hug a neck, slap a high five, look at them, and say, "I'm glad you're here." Come on, tell them now. Great to see you guys today with in the house. So I appreciate so much. I want to just give credit and honor where honors due. I want to say thank you to Pastor David for taking uh, the pulpit last week. I was able to get away and get. Fed and have a spiritual pilgrimage, if you will, and spend a few days away without a cell phone. Yes, I said that right. Without a cell phone, without computer. I know, right? I'm going to tell you, man. It was it was unbelievable. Uh, I was kind of a fish out of the water for a while. And uh, not knowing what to anticipate and so forth And, and God just, just revealed some really cool things my, my bride is there today and she'll be coming home tonight Hopefully be back in time for the concert But I just want to say thank you to you church Thank you Pastor David I heard you gave, gave a great, great, powerful message Y'all give Pastor David a hand <clears throat> He will not be preaching anymore uh, All I've heard all week is Man, he did a great job I'm like, that's awesome <laughs> But anyway, I just, uh, I'm kidding. I am so honored, brother. Yeah, he just cheers me in church. Okay, that's weird. But anyway, I am thankful that no matter who's standing up here, the man of God that will be in this in this sacred place will be one that will be bringing you the Word of God. Amen. That's the key. That's what we're about. Uh, I want to I bring you a message today in continuation of the series, Back to Basics. Uh, what I believe to be true today is that we need to get back to the simplicity. How many of you like simple? How many of you like simple? Come on now, just wave your hand at me. You know you do. You don't like complicated. You don't like drama. You don't like all these. I don't like going to buy a car. I don't like to go in there and they're asking 30, knowing they're going to take 25-5. And I always want to go in there and go, dude, give me the car. Let me walk out. I don't want to play games. And I'm the same way in scripture. I'm the same way in my faith. I'm the same way in my life. I'm a doer. I'm, I'm 150 miles an hour all the time. I like simple. I like to just get to where I'm going. Anybody like to stand in lines? Don't you just hate lines, okay? I just want to, I can't even help it. I'm so competitive. When I get in Walmart and there's a lady pushing a a buggy, it's a race. I mean, I can't help it. I'm going to pass her. If I have to, I'll knock her down in Jesus' name. But I'm going to get to the front of that line. But having said all of that, I think getting back to the basics of our faith and understanding some of the great truths and the teachings of God's Word, some of which we've taken as quote-unquote child stories, child biblical stories, like we talked about Noah and the Ark, and we talked about, of course, David gave a, a powerful message last week about uh, Go- David and Goliath and how David was a picture of Christ slaying the giants in our life, just a great twist on a timeless truth, and I believe it to be very, very uh, evident that he, he, he got that straight from the Lord. Today I'm going to talk to you about a story that we have cartooned, if that's the word. We have cartooned. Uh, some of the greatest stories in the Bible that are historical stories that are real, that are evident, and theologically packed. And of course, today we're going to talk about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you have your Bibles with you today, take it with me, if you will, and turn to Daniel chapter 3. And immediately, if I'm sitting where you are and I hear, we're going to talk about Noah's Ark, and we're going to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Daniel in the lion's den, or David and Goliath, we immediately default to this cartoon of this, this booklet that we saw when we were a child. If we were raised any around church we saw these stories and they we see the fire and it's a cartoon picture of a fire and we see these three Hebrew boys wearing their clothing, holding on to Jesus and dancing around in the fire. And they all have a smile on their face. And King Nebuchadnezzar is sitting back and he's maybe praising the Lord. And I want you to know that there's a, there's a real story in, in this. And there's a real trial. There's a real test. in understanding what was going on in the life of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego during this time of Babylonian exile where they were absolutely overtaken By the political realm of a pagan man named Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon had overrun by God's authority. Don't miss that. Because God's chosen people, the Hebrew people, have turned away from God and turned to idolatry, turned to ways contrary to God's plan for their life. And in so doing, God allowed them. In fact, he told them through the different prophets that there would be a time of exile, of captivity. Can I say to you today, we're living under the same thumb of oppression of Captivity Day where the world, the political system, has taken the faith system captive. And we've allowed it to happen. We've sat idly by and we've quietened our voices. We've diminished our influence. I remember a time even as a child where there were no ball games on Wednesday night. There were no ball games on Sunday night. Not that you did it, not that I did it, but we have slowly allowed that, that cooking, that crock pot system of, of political whatever to say this is what's going to be. Can I tell you what's happened? We've traded in political correctness for biblical truth. And God's not cool with that. We have, we have diminished in our influence and we've diminished in our power walking with God, as the song said. We're not walking with God, we're walking with the world. And that's exactly what had happened during the time of the Babylonian captivity. In so doing, they took them and diminished their ability to worship the true God of Abraham, Jacob, and of Isaac. And, and you find that there, was, there were people appealing to the pride of Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, Let's erect this great statue, great king. Let's, let's have people worship you. And being a pagan, it made total sense to him. So they erected a 90 foot statue by 90 feet wide, a picture of Nebuchadnezzar. And the Bible says that <clears throat> they were told, as by a decree, <coughs> excuse me, by a decree, that every time the music would start, they would bow down, stop what they're doing, and they would worship This golden image. They would turn and face it as if we would do today when the national anthem is played. We would turn and face the flag, place their hand over our heart, pledging allegiance, if you will, to the flag. But they were going one step further. Not only their allegiance, but their worship was having to be given over to King Nebuchadnezzar. I, I, I submit to you that King Nebuchadnezzar was merely a pawn in this story. He played into the people who were building up him by way of pride and ego. And a haughty spirit. The Bible says pride goes before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And the reality is that's exactly what happened during this time. And I think it's very indicative of where we live today. That we place more emphasis on on stars and and sports. And we place more emphasis in celebrities. And we place more emphasis. Come and tell you something. Every single day of every single moment, the thing trending on social media is the thing that is the most ridiculous, most silly thing out there. I don't really. I can't imagine that the power of God, the power to influence to change the world, is not the thing trending on social media. As by what we call to be eighty-five percent of the nation today claims to be a child of God, yet they diminish, and they're more interested in debating or arguing some point of reference about what Trump said, what she said, what he said. I can Let me tell you something. None of that moves me, as Paul said in Acts chapter twenty. I'm not moved. I go bound in the spirit. He said to Jerusalem knowing the things that befall me there. What does does that mean to me? I want to be under the influence of God and under the influence of the Holy Spirit to be one, watch this, that in spite of everything going on around me, I can rise to the surface and be a light in a dark world. I hope you do today. And in this storyline, these three boys decided to be the minority. They decided to not go in like with the world. They decided not to start worshiping because guess what? There are those in the world today that want to make a platform for themselves by trying to go against the grain of politics or going against the grain of culture. That's not what these boys did. These boys said, no matter where I am geographically in the world, if I'm in Jerusalem, if I'm in Babylon, if I'm in Assyria, it doesn't matter where I am. Where I am makes no difference. Who's ruling over me makes no difference. I worship the one true God and I will not, I will not bow down to the God of this world. And see, that's where we are today, guys. We've got to decide. It's a decision that we make, Ben, that we decide that the world is not my home. I know we live here. I know we're in it, but we don't have to be of it. And these boys decided, they threw the proverbial line in the sand and said, "I'm going to be different, not just for the sake of being different, but I'm going to be different because I'm not lining up with that particular system." And the Bible says that they didn't bow down, and, and Nebuchadnezzar's anger was, was growing worse and worse, and he gave them one more chance, and that's where we're going to pick up. in Daniel chapter three. if you will look with me in your Bibles, if not, we have it on the screen in chapter three and verse 14. We see the story unfold. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, It is true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my, is it true, that you re- refuse to serve my gods, notice the little g gods, or to worship the golden statue I have set up. I will give you one more chance. Don't the world just give you chance after chance after chance to refuse and to denounce the word of God. Let me tell you something. Never, ever, ever give in. Never let somebody cower you down. Let me tell you something. You look in the Word of God. Every single man and woman of God that ever took a stand, they went out with a bang. Can I tell you something? I love the fact that when you look at the different prophets that were persecuted and pressed down. I love that Enoch, the Bible says, was walking with God. And he went up. Immediately was translated. I love that Elijah went up in a chariot of fire. I love that when Samson came in, he killed more people going out as he pushed the pillars in the temple down than he ever did as a a warrior. Listen. Listen, I think the Bible is true for us today that we, you and I, have got to stand up and let our voice be heard. Let our person be seen. Let our love be extended to a lost and dying world. I wonder is there anybody out there today that is just like the Hebrew writer that says, God is the rewarder of those who diligently seeks after him. For those who come to God must believe that he is, and he is the one who's going to reward those who diligently, everybody say, diligently not haphazardly, not here and there not now and later like the candy but every single day diligently pursuing the heart of God. He must believe that he is. That he is what? I'm so glad you asked. He is the king of kings and he's the lord of lords. He's the redeemer he's the alpha and he's omega he's beginning and he's the end. He's all points in between. He is the ancient of days. He's the lover of my soul he is the one who was and is and is to come and can I tell you something he's always on time. He may be four days late in your life but he's all always here. He's always at the right time. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Sid Canoe. He is Jehovah Shalom. He's the peace in the midst of the storm. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is your banner today. He's the one that we come to in our time of trouble. And I want to tell you something. If you believe that today, the world can't move you. You will move the world. Three boys changed the dynamic of an entire pagan culture. What can 300 people do? If we truly chase after the heart of God, what can we do? Because here's the question. Watch what's going on, and it's still echoing through the annals of time. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, if you go against the grain, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what God, listen, here's the question. Same question, David, that we have to answer today, that the world is asking. What God would be able to rescue you from my power, the world says? What God out there can rescue you from the storm in the Sea of Galilee? What manner of man is this, the disciples said, that can speak to the winds and the waves and they obey his voice? It's the same manner of man that can speak into your broken marriage, speak into your your failed finances. I almost said something. That was ugly, wasn't it? Can speak into the heart of the brokenness of this world. He's the same God that can step out and say, peace be still. What God can overcome the power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. I love this. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We don't need to defend ourselves. Do you know what they were saying? We don't even have to answer you in this matter. You are not the one ruling and reigning over our life. Need we not even answer you in this matter? Watch this. For if, everybody say if. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God, notice capital G. I love that. Not just little G God, not just any God, but the God. The God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. And I love this, comma, your majesty. As if he's just saying, hey, we'll still give give you the, uh, the credit and the honor, if you will. The Bible says that Jesus told the disciples, told Pilate, told the, the government, said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but render unto God what is God. Hey, I'll call you president. I'll call you mayor. I'll call you this or that, but make no mistake about it. My allegiance is to the hope of the person of Jesus Christ. And he says, you know what? But even if he doesn't, because this is where it all changes. That's what you got to own today. If you don't get anything else I'm going to say today, this is the verse you grab onto with your whole heart. But even if he doesn't deliver me from this fiery furnace, even if he doesn't show up when I want him to, even if he doesn't heal the way I want him to heal, even if they take my loved one and they get healed in eternity, even if it don't work out the way that I've spoken it over my life, over my home, over my children, even if he doesn't, we want to make one thing clear to you. Your majesty, I love you, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. None of these things move me. Are you influenced? Here's the message today if you're a note taker. Are you influenced by the world? Or are you an influencer in the world? Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word that you hold above your own name. Today, as we continue in it, I pray, God, that you would help me to rightly divide it with truth and with power that can come only from you through the Holy Spirit of God. Change lives today. Set a fire in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen. Let me read a few more verses real quick, and then I'm going to move quickly through this. Verse 19. I'm going to read on Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times. Underline that in your Bible. Seven always means something in Scripture. Then hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up, threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king had anger and demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, watch this. This is interesting. The flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. The one that was taking them to the furnace were consumed as they were throwing them in the furnace. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied, underline that in your Bible, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames, but suddenly... Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, did we not tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, behold, check it out, Nebuchadnezzar said. Now I look, watch this. As he came closer, he said, I see four men, underline this in your Bible, and don't miss this, unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Some translations, King James says, looks like the son of God. But note that that's a pagan god speaking. He's not necessarily speaking. About him looking like Jesus because he would not have known. I think there was just some level of discernment that if somebody's in there dancing around and walking around, that this was not some ordinary guy. He had at least that much wear for all. That the fourth looks like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, watch what he says. He's changing his heart, guys. Right in the middle of the trial for these guys, the one who's placed them in the trial, his heart begins to shift. Watch what he says. Servants of the quote-unquote most high God. See, that's not just some little God who could deliver them. The most high God, he said, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw, watch this, impossibility what I'm fixing to do. Here's a disclaimer. This cannot happen. And they saw that the fire had not touched them. Nor hair on their heads was singed. And their clothing not scorched. Nor did they even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue servants who trusted him. They defiled the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Verse 29 and 30. And I'm done. And this is the big point of reference for this entire story. Therefore, I, King Nebuchadnezzar... Make this decree, if any people, whatever race or nation or language, speak a word against this God, capital G, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, watch this. They're not going to just get thrown into the fire. He says, I'm going to tear them from every limb, and their houses would be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this than the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego see, the trial was really leading them to a promotion. Can I tell you something? God has taken you through the trial of your faith that the Bible says is worth more than gold that perishes when tried by fire. The reality is, is when we're going through hell on earth today, and you feel like everything is contrary, you feel like the world's against you, you feel like God is a million miles away, maybe, just maybe, he's closer than he's ever been. And maybe just maybe, there, maybe there is a, a trial or a test or a difficulty, but over here, there There's a proportionate blessing and promotion that's on the way. You see, the reality is sometimes we abort the promotion and the blessing right at the last moment. Because we throw our hands up and say, God, where are you? And can I tell you what his answer is going to be before you ever ask it? He's saying, I'm right here. I've never left you nor forsaken you matter of fact I'm doing this that I may be glorified what did he say the whole kingdom but not just them Assyria, every nation every tongue every kindred can I tell you something David that sounds a lot like the great commission in Matthew 28 and 19 does it not he gave the great commission in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 30 where he said every nation every kindred every tongue every language every race every people group guess what if they don't bow down to this God I'm going to tear them limb for limb this is a pagan God for goodness sakes Mark what's the story with that God can change the heart of anybody with just three who are faithful. See, God doesn't need a a, a big number of people. He proved that with the 12 disciples, that he sent out the message of hope to the entire world. We follow big crowds. We want numbers. Make no mistake about it. We desire to have every seat in this place filled up, but not just for the sake of high fives behind the wall. David will tell you. Tyler will tell you. Doug, Ben, and others will tell you. We never sit down and say, how can we bring numbers into the house? What we do is say, how can we change lives? How can we ignite passion? How can we make people change their way? How can we make people get excited about the ways of God? And guess what? When that happens, the default to that is people will be busting the doors down. And it will be because of you and in spite of me. See, the world, you're supposed to say amen. you supposed to say, no, Mark, you can preach. The heartbeat behind this story is fivefold. Real quickly, I want to give you some... Some points. Five things we can learn from the story. Number one, when the world says bow down, it's now time to stand up. When the world says bow down, it's high time to stand up. The Bible says, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, in Ephesians 6, having on the full armor of God. Listen, you can't stand if you're not suited up for battle. If you don't have the Word of God as your offensive weapon, you are going naked into battle. But if you study the stories of those in the, in the Old Testament, I mean, look at look at the men who who came to God, and He says, "Look, I don't I don't need a big war." Think about think about Joshua when he was about to take the city of Jericho. He was a mighty man of battle. The Bible says, and he came up, and he probably had all of these sand tables, and okay, put the catapults over here and a horseman to go over here and here's where the swords are going to go and he's got all this plan and he's orchestrating this big battle to overtake this huge fortified city of Jericho that God had already given them and watch what God did, God said hey put all that down just get your folks and start walking around and shouting the glory of God I'm going to bring the walls down without one weapon fired see God is unorthodox in his manner in which he changes the world It just needs a little bit of faith. The Bible calls it a grain of mustard seed. The smallest of all seeds, yet growing into the hardiest of all plants. Rooted in the soil. When he says, when the world says bow down, it's time to stand up. I love the fact that we see in Acts the first martyr. I love that because the storyline that unfolds is we see one guy who's willing to stand up in the face of death. His name is Stephen. He was also the first disciple recorded in Acts 6. But he was the first martyr... And I love the fact that he became in his death, he became a picture of Jesus Christ, literally paralleling some of the messianic words that Jesus spoke from the cross. But I love even greater the fact that the Bible says that they came and they laid his clothing down at the foot of a man named Saul of Tarsus, who was there, who was witnessing. If you know customs, he would have ordered the stoning of that man that day. And yet, watch what happens. The Bible says that as he's being stoned, as he's being palted with rocks, the Flesh torn from his body. Rocks hitting his head. And, And just can you imagine, can you fathom what that must have felt like? Yet he says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Lay it not at their feet. Much like Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But as he's speaking these words, the Bible says that he looked into heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Why is that important? Because if you look into Scripture, every single time you see Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. You know why he's seated? He's saying, it is finished. I don't have to work anymore. I finished it on the cross. I can sit and rest in the glory of what I've done on the cross. And now you've got to come by way of grace through faith and inherit that. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Then why is he standing and acts when one is being stoned and one is still crying out for the person of Jesus Christ? The reason is, is what God wants you to know today, church, that when you stand for him, he's standing for you.